Hi, everyone. It's Robert Poole with the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the real skill set you need to master in business. And it's not based upon intelligence or even experience. Let's cue the intro. You have a small B2B business. Are you frustrated with the lack of resources to grow in B2B? So where do we go to learn how to grow our B2B business? Should we focus on traditional offline methods, online techniques, or both? How do we bring in more clients and revenue and yet keep our sanity? I'm Robert Poole. Join me as I share two decades of B2B growth experience, learn new techniques, and combine both offline and online growth strategies to grow my own business. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a nine-to-five job. Welcome to the tribe and welcome home. Okay, everyone, I hope you're having an awesome day today. In the last episode, we talked about the importance and benefits of getting your clients on some kind of recurring program to smooth out your revenue and take the stress out of your life. In this episode, I want to talk about a concept that separates the mediocre and the successful in business and how you can be on the successful side. First of all, um, have you ever taken one of those IQ tests online? Well, I've taken a few over the years and, you know, I got to admit it's tough on my ego, but I always come back as average intelligence and sometimes even below. Not a real boost to your self-esteem. I would actually recommend you don't ever take one of these tests as there's really no upside if you think about it. If you come out on average, you'll start questioning yourself and increase doubt in areas of your life and business. On the other hand, you'll think you're very intelligent and oftentimes this can cloud your judgment and a lot of things in business require you to be humble and admit you're not good at something. So what does this have to do with business besides the obvious? Not a whole lot, really. It makes sense that the more intelligent you are, the better results you would get in all areas of your life. However, in my opinion and experience, there's no correlation between being particularly gifted and being financially successful in business. Obviously, in life, financial success is, you know, not everything, but in business, financial success is the scorecard we use to indicate how much value you're providing to the marketplace. You know, in the realm of B2B business, uh, you know, we tend to focus and tend to deal with, I would say, probably more highly educated people and probably those who have higher than average intelligence, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, that's a generalization and certainly not a rule. You know, in my career, I've found in my dealings with owners and other executives, it's really a mixed batch. Some people, I, you know, I've wondered how they made it through the day, you know, much less, you know, can run a business. And others, I wonder why they aren't, you know, sitting in some government think tank because they appear to be so brilliant. So if there's such a wide range in intelligence or IQ or whatever you want to call it, what's the factor that makes a term entrepreneur more successful than others? And by the way, when I say successful, I mean someone who has stayed in the business for some period of time, made a profit, uh, is not a startup that has a lot of venture capital backing, uh, that hasn't really proven their business model is solid and, and that they're profitable. I think the X factor is the ability to surround themselves with people smarter than they are, more talented in certain areas than they are, and masters at their particular expertise. What this means in a practical sense is that as owners, we need to hire and surround ourselves with people who are experts at their craft and much better than we are at a particular specialty. You know, think about some of the most successful companies in the world. You know, take Apple, for instance. Was Steve Jobs an expert who invented the Apple computer? No, that was Steve Wozniak. And he's the one who credited with as being the main engineer in the design of the first Apple computer. But Steve Jobs was mostly in the sales and marketing talent and also oversee, you know, the development or oversaw the development of the products. But you think about it, I mean, who do most people associate with Apple? Steve Jobs. If you said to someone, uh, Steve Wozniak, to most people, they wouldn't know who you're talking about. So what's my point? Well, Steve Jobs obviously was very smart, but that wasn't what made him successful. What really made him successful was his ability to surround himself 
with people who were better at the technical side in design than he was. He stayed on the revenue generating side of the things, not on the cost side of the business. And the revenue side of the business is what drives a business success. If you're able to constantly increase your revenue as a company, even if your operation of producing the product and handling HR, finances, and all the other costs of business doesn't really matter that much. I mean, you have to pay attention to these, but if you have no revenue, you have no business, but that's a brand for a different episode. So how do we as business owners and entrepreneurs really use this concept? Well, the first thing we have to do is address the, the biggest hurdle, which is getting our ego out of the way. You know, one of my favorite quotes I heard back in the 90s from a cold calling trainer, I don't remember his name, unfortunately, you know, was that uh, money is better than ego. Letting go of tasks in areas of your business can be a real challenge for most business owners. I know it's an ongoing uh, battle that I still wrestle with. You know, I mentioned in, in past episodes, I had a great business partner for over 20 years and we uh, brought a lot to the company, each of us. Um, in the beginning of building our first company before Sales Double, though, we started as a website company and neither of us knew how to code, but one of us had to learn because we had, you know, pretty much almost no startup capital and we had to be profitable pretty quickly just to stay alive. We were both in sales roles trying to get new clients, but I also took on the task of learning how to code uh, simply because I'd always had an interest in computers and was generally more detailed oriented than he was. While I still did sales, after a while, we started doing enough business that my role changed and I pretty much transitioned out of sales other than an advisory role and became the technical talent behind the scenes at that company and eventually what became Sales Double. And as the years went on, became more of a full-time job as a developer uh, in-house doing our software, our websites, and so on. My business partner constantly asked me to outsource some of the IT stuff to overseas developers or, you know, here or whatever. And I really resisted him for many years. And looking back, you know, the main reason was being my own ego. You know, I'm, I'm completely self-taught in coding and IT. So, you know, I was proud of the work I created. And quite frankly, I had a hard time letting go. You know, this was pretty stupid in retrospect, and it cost us a lot of money, and it meant we weren't turning out an internal product that was as good as it could have been. If you're holding on to aspects of your business, take a step back and think about how you could get someone else to do that, especially if you're not spending most of your time on the revenue side of the business, which is participating in, or at least at the strategic level, planning for sales and marketing activities, because that's where the money is. You know, one of the things that's helped me in the last few years in particular is to do a cost per our calculation of just about any significant recurring activity that you do. What I mean is that you need to find out what your dollar per hour value is to the company and then compare it to what it would cost you to have an outside or even an in-house employee do. You know, you got to take into account that you would need somebody better than you are at the task to do it and compare your value per hour to their cost per hour. If yours is higher, then it's just plain stupid for the company to pay you a higher hourly rate than someone who is less expensive or better than you are. So how do you figure out your hourly? You know, if you've been in business for a while, it's pretty simple. You know, you just take the amount of any distributions you took from the company last year, including your salary, if you're an employee or, you know, and add the remaining profit. Uh, if you didn't take, even if you didn't take it out of the company, then divide that by your estimated working days last year. And then, you know, 40 hours a week, um, you know, eight hours a day type of thing. And, you know, after getting that number, you simply compare it to what it would cost you to hire that expert in-house if it's a full-time job. And that makes sense, if that makes sense, or to outsource to a contractor. You know, if, uh, for instance, you took home about 100000 last year and worked approximately 240 days for a total of uh, uh, 1,920 hours, uh, you divide the 100 k by 1920, and that yields about $52 an hour. If you're doing your own calling, let's say, um, you know, t- you take that $52 per hour 
and compare it to a, hiring a third-party company to do cold calling or even bringing in an in-house employee to do the calling, which, by the way, I, I don't recommend uh, as it's kind of a nightmare to manage if it's not your core business. But uh, so if it costs you approximately $25 an hour to hire a decent cold call company or an individual, you know, and you're worth 52, you're literally costing your company $27 an hour or 50K per year, not exactly pocket change. You know, wouldn't you rather have that 50K in cash back in your business, either to reinvest in growth or add to your profit bottom line? You know, I would think so. So going back to the overall concept of surrounding yourself with people smarter or better than you are, we need to look at what your true role is as an entrepreneur and how you get paid the most. You know, in my opinion, your primary role as a business owner and entrepreneur is to be an orchestrator of resources. And a large part of those resources is people. If you're able to find and build a team of people who can do all the tasks needed to solve the problem you're going to solve for your clients, you will be successful and your income has a huge potential for growth. If you try to hold on to tasks and areas of your business due to your own ego or fear of outsourcing, you're going to hit a ceiling in your income where you're only able to make as much money as time you can spend in your business. Unfortunately, a lot of entrepreneurs get in the trap of being an operator of their business where they're basically a key employee. You know, you're sort of an employee who happens to own 100% of the stock in the company, you know, if you have sole ownership. You know, if you get stressed out when you take off a couple of days out of the office and you find yourself constantly checking in, guess what? You're an operator, not an owner. So to bridge this gap between owner and operator, all you have to do is start outsourcing the parts of your business that you're holding on to. This whole concept is not new, and I'm sure you've heard other business gurus talk about it, talk about outsourcing, et cetera. But the reality of it is that most of us don't do it enough, and either because of ego or fear. At this point, some of you are saying, okay, Robert, that's great, but uh, I can't afford to hire an employee to do all my IT work or whatever. Well, just because you're a solopreneur or you're just getting started, this actually becomes even more important for you. I guarantee there are activities you're doing that can you can find a contractor to do for far less than your time is worth to learn how to do and uh, who can probably do it better than you can. You know, I mean, uh, a good example is this podcast. You know, do you think I know how to edit, clean up extraneous noises, mix, and basically make a recording presentable for publishing? Nope. You know, I have Adobe Audition, you know, a professional level thing, but, you know, the extent of my skill level is basically to make a recording, you know, and uh, cut some things out. After that, I pass it off to an audio expert who does all the stuff for me. When I started out, uh, he even helped me figure out how to get the best recording so that the raw recording was less difficult to deal with and came out cleaner. You know, I don't know how to do it and I don't want to do it. Uh, At my dollar per hour value to our company, giving this work to a contractor who's an expert at sound and charges far below what my time is worth, I mean, it's a no-brainer. So what are the takeaways from this episode? First, there's a misconception that intelligence has a big impact on business success. It doesn't hurt, of course, but it's a minor factor. What really matters is your ability to get your ego out of the way and surround yourself with experts who are better at aspects of your business than you are. Figure out your dollar per hour worth and compare it to an expert and see where you should be pawning off on somebody else. And remember, money is better than ego, especially on days that end in Y. I hope this gives you something to think about and begin to implement or even get better at implementing your business if you're already doing it. In the next episode, we're going to talk about how you can get the highest level of performance out of yourself and your team on a daily basis. I hope you have a fantastic day. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate this show on iTunes and give me your honest feedback and what future subjects would help you out the most. 
I also put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years in a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. That's growyourb2bcompany.com.